just past 7 o'clock and another action-packed episode of Ira on Sports. This is the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo and Ira, you know, we're wrapping up last week's show and talking off air and saying to each other how, you know, next week... There's not that many marquee games. I think we're going to have a lot more time to elaborate. And it happened to be the total opposite of what happened in the NFL yesterday. Almost every game was phenomenal. Whether it even had ramifications for the for the uh, for the postseason or for draft picks didn't matter. We had great games across the board. I really enjoyed yesterday. Yeah, well, I think you enjoyed yesterday because I think you're uh, coming tonight with a 58 point lead for your Super Bowl. <laughs> so anybody in fantasy, I mean, they think you go the whole year in fantasy and you come down to this last week, and, and usually no one plays this final week that we're getting into now. So that's always a big thing of looking the players and certainly someone who sits Alvin Kamara with six touchdowns and the all time fantasy league uh, record of all time really on that game it's just to win a championship like that so it's uh it was it was exciting because there were teams that are still battling for the playoff spots and then from the Dolphins perspective you know staying in trying to stay in the, the playoff race uh I thought it was great and some of the games I mean certainly the Raiders uh, Dolphins games was like screaming yelling yeah. type of game so we'll, we'll talk about that in just one second and why that probably irked a lot of fantasy owners in general but I we do a ton of really really high profile interviews on this show and lately with you know, post-COVID, sports coming back, we really haven't had time to fit a lot of these in, but I promise over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some monster interviews. Uh, we did one with Paul Westhead. Tell us about him. Yeah, well, we're going to have Paul Westhead, uh, the, uh, the coach of the world champion Lakers in 97.9 with Magic and uh, Kareem, and talk about that. He has a new book out. Um, and then uh, for we got Mike Doc Emmerich on. Huge. Uh, who is a legendary hockey announcer, sort of get ready in for hot, the hockey season. And then Bill Madden, some baseball interviews. I think we'll put them on closer to baseball season is Bill Madden ha- has a great a book about Tom Seaver, uh, New York Daily News writer, tremendous. And and then uh, Brad Belugian has this author called the uh, author of a book called The Wax Pack, which is one of the most popular books of the year, writing about when he opened a baseball pack and you know decided where all these players were 25 years later. <laughs> I'm going to go meet all these yeah, guys. Yeah, I'm going to meet all these guys. So I mean, I think it's I think it's great, and we definitely working on some other great guests. But you know, we've been doing these interviews and, and getting them set up, and I can't wait to share them with our listeners. So let's get right into it because we've got so much to cover tonight. Let's go uh, to Saturday night, and it was our Miami Dolphins who. Uh, Every week they, they impress me more. Um, well, Brian Flores in particular impresses me more. Going against John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders. And Ira, this was a game for the ages. Came down to it and John Gruden kind of played himself out of a win here. Let's talk about how he got there. I disagree. I think I think I, <laughs> I score a touchdown there. I I don't. I I I I thought I I I think he made the right move. I think it was I think there could have been a few more seconds off, but I think Fitzpatrick made a Absolutely amazing play. Absolutely amazing play. But, you know, if anyone hadn't found out, the Miami won 26-25. The Las Vegas Raiders have been eliminated from the playoffs. If they would have won that game, they're they're still in the mix. So that was huge from their perspective. And if Miami would have lost that game... Miami would have been out, considering mm-hmm. how when everything happened. The AFC be, stacked. They, they would have been, I guess they would be on the last spot behind the Colts. They might, no, they would have been behind the Colts. They would have been behind, they would have been, because we have four teams tied at 10 and 5. Yeah. So they would have been, they would have been out of the playoffs. But you know, what was interesting when I was looking at the game, that Tua could have been the fourth best quarterback on the <laughs> sideline. You know, because you got De- Derek Carr, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Marcus Mariota, the backup for the Raiders, and Tua. So you're like, the, Ra- the Dolphins, the winning quarterback, starting quarterback, was probably the fourth best quarterback on the field at the time. <laughs> 
time. And it's crazy to think about like that after we saw what Mariota did the week before. I, maybe this is the right the way, right way to look at. Well, it's amazing it. that Tua and Mariota also went to the same high school in Hawaii. So I thought that was pretty cool, and they've been friends for life. But that would have been neat if Carr went out. It could be Mariota versus Tua in the same game. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was like it was it was just one of those crazy type of games. And I think that you know the fact that Derek Carr started the game, uh, he was you know out with the injured groin, came back to play, knowing how important that game was. But he didn't have the mobility that he used he usually has. But Miles Gaskin was back for Miami. So Miami got uh, Grant, great. they got Gaskin back, Gasicki back from the week before. So the teams were getting healthier. I think only Devontae Parker was the big name Dolphin that was out of the game. So talk about what, what happened here because this was a game it, it was great TV, Ira. <laughs> Even if it wasn't the most high scoring game it was just back and forth and we really got to see uh, an excellent competition. Well the first half was crazy because Miami just did nothing. And I think it's what I think the first half played into what the decision was made to pull to a, yeah. in the second half because they had four possessions they had two field goals uh, and then an 11 play drive and a 12 play drive but just uh, uh, two two field goals then so just they had mm-hmm. two other punts um, and they were third and one on the Vegas 18 stopped for no game they couldn't run against the Patriots they looked like they could run on anyone but Ahmed was stopped uh, for a one no gain on that and a third and two in the Vegas 20 on the next possession he lost a yard so they couldn't get that running game going and that's why you saw Gaskin carried the ball I think 16 times rather than uh, Gaskin carried the ball 14 times 87 yards and he had five catches for 82 yards whereas Ahmad just carried the ball six times in the game but I think the D played great you know able, able to hold the Raiders to a touchdown two field goal so even though the offense was just sputtering and we're going get this a little later, but I did think too, I just, boy, I'm not impressed with his pocket presence. I just feel like he doesn't like, he doesn't know where to stay. And I know this is weird, but he can't feel where the pressure's coming. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think some of these quarterbacks, like you see with uh, Ben Rotzenberger and Tom Brady, they're not as mobile as Tua. Yeah. But they at least, and even Kyler Look Murray at Philip has Rivers luck. yesterday. And Phil, they, they, ducking they, to Eccles left and right. They know where the pressure's coming. And I, I've so many times it looks like Tua walks into the sack. Yeah. Like, he goes right, and that's where the line was breaking down. It just seems like he just doesn't get that presence. Oh, he's young, and, and when he was at Alabama, he had great offensive line that blocked from the whole time. He wasn't really feeling that pressure pressure. But I think that's where the problem was. And that's why people say, why can't he throw the ball down the field longer? The reason he can't is because he's getting pressured. But a lot of that is it's not the offensive line's fault because you saw them block for Fitzpatrick. So the point was, it's more that it's he's just walking into the wrong areas where the pressure's coming. And no, I agree with you on that. And the, the you know other time this season when he got pulled, it was because he'd taken six sacks already and the game was just starting out in the third quarter. Yesterday, he just, I think they're afraid to let him throw down the field, Ira. I mean, at one point, I think he was nine for 11 for like 70 yards. So they're just not letting him get down the field. Yeah, I mean, and then it was like one of those things where I thought Vegas made some mistakes. I mean, they went on fourth and one on their own 47 and the second half and mm-hmm. were stopped, which was, which was whatever. And then, um, they, then they got a field goal made at 16-13. But then in the second half, Miami went those three possessions. They went three possessions straight of three and outs. They did in one possession, they went minus five yards with a sack, minus one yards in a sack and zero yards in a sack. Yeah. So after that, I mean, I was like texting you and I was like, oh my God, Tua is just not like this game is to be taken because really the Raiders weren't doing that much, but it's just like Tua couldn't get anything going. Yeah, all they needed was a, 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 little bit above average performance, and this game wouldn't have been close enough to come down to it at the end, but it just wasn't like that. Yeah, I mean, Tua ended up with, uh, see, his numbers aren't that 17 to 22, so he only has five incompletions, but it's, some of his passes were like one-yard dump-offs, yeah. and for only 94 yards, so you're throwing the ball 22 times and only gaining 94 yards is one of the lowest you know yards per attempt you could imagine with one touchdown, but the three sacks hurt. I mean, imagine that Fitzpatrick in like a half a quarter almost had 182 yards, almost doubled Tua in terms of points and mm-hmm. yards into 
terms of what they have to do. I mean, they, that's why they put him at nine. And it, like, you know, you saw it before, but with 936 and you saw Fitzpatrick in the game, it wasn't that big a surprise. I think that's good that, that he had done that, that Flores had done that but earlier. Because yeah. when, when Fitzpatrick comes in, it's not like, oh, my God, two is pulled. Is he upset on the sideline? Is he mad? You know, it's like you sort of expected that maybe Fitzpatrick would come in for that. I think we were both <laughs> anticipating it like, okay, this is when you switch to Fitzpatrick because we got to get down the field and two is not going to get us there. And he got him down there and Hollins dropped that touchdown pass. I mean, it was right mm-hmm. there. And they had set up for a field goal to make it 16-16, but they should have gone and took the lead on that one. Um, but then uh, but Vegas but then Vegas gets the ball back. And Derek Carr, that pass to Aguilar was amazing. When Byron yeah. Jones burnt, got burnt. It wasn't really burnt, but it was Aguilar cut down and then running and they had trouble tackling him. That was just a great play. It was like a fun play. When you saw that pass to Aguilar, that was like one of those where Aguilar makes an amazing play that he's able to avoid that. They're trying, like all the defensive defenders are running against him and he's it's like a game like you're playing tag in a part. Yeah. That's almost what it was. <laughs> it, it was making me think where was this Nelson Aguilar when he was with the Eagles? <laughs> because this is a totally different receiver with the, with the Raiders. Yeah, I mean that was, and then and they missed the extra point. So like we saw so many. There's some kickers in this league, like Saunders, that are making every kick, and then there's others that are just missing like extra points and field goals. And you know, considering they're inside, it was not we should never miss that. And then Miami came down and Fitzpatrick threw the Gaskins. Now, again, it was a short pass that Gaskins turned into a big play. But a fact that Fitzpatrick, I think just watch how Fitzpatrick throws. He got Gaskin on the run. He didn't throw a pass where Gaskins had to stop. It seems like every time Tua throws the ball, it's the, the wide receivers are stopping at a spot and throwing yeah. it to him. Whereas when, when Fitzpatrick's throwing it, he's, get, he's hitting receivers on the run. I think that's key. No, it, it's, been, it's a huge difference. And you can see just the way the receivers even play. is totally different when, when Ryan Fitzpatrick's in there because they're ready to get hit in stride and turn it up the field. Yeah, and then and then... And then Vegas comes back. So that's where this was the excitement of the game. We're talking, describing like a couple minutes of the game. And then Vegas comes down. And I thought the pass interference on Byron Jones was as bad on Aguilar. I think that was yeah, question. It was, it was just like on that, that type of situation. But then on third and one at the Miami 13, Vanoy offsides out gave them. So they were at first and goal on the eight. And Miami had one. This is where the whole thing was that Miami had one timeout left, first and goal at the eight. So then you're wondering, is Miami going to, who's going to, is, uh, is, uh, are the Raiders going to tie the call the timeout? Like, is Miami going to call a timeout? Like, what could happen with that first and goal? with 155 when they're down by one point. And you're thinking that they should just score the touchdown and let it go. But I'm nervous that they're, you know, if I'm, if I'm Gruden, I think Miami's going to come down and score. No, absolutely. And this is where the game starts to get a little bit crazy. By the way, it's Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel, Mike Balsamo. So what happens next? Well, Jacobs, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders, he ran, then he kneels down, and then that was, that worked out there. And then he went, uh, then he went up again to the middle for, to they the They tried to let him score. They tried to let him score. They tried to whatever. And, and then Miami let the, and then again, he doesn't, he, go, he goes down again. And then with 23 seconds, they kick the, the field goal yeah. to go up too. Now this, remember, Devin Ford of Penn State against Indiana, they, Penn State was trying to do the the same thing and Ford just ran in the end zone. And you remember earlier Falcons running back Todd Gurley against the, yeah. the Lions and Penn State ended up losing the game and and uh, Todd Gurley scored early. Now these games were tied when they did it. Curley, Gurley went, they kicked the field goal and then Stafford came down and led the yeah. But I think I think what Gruden was saying is he said I would do it a hundred times out of a hundred. He was hoping that there could be there I think they left a few seconds in the I think you could have run it down a little more when Jacobs ran I thought Carr didn't run it there was I think you could have gotten like 10 seconds instead of if it was 10 seconds and I think it would have been harder then you only had one play right yeah. so I think they sort of screwed up on the timing and I, I totally agree to do it if you think that you can just run down to one second and kick the field goal then do that because it's really at that point it's just an extra point and I'd rather rather than give Fitzpatrick a chance to come but down but then you know look they down 20, 25-23 Dolphins get the ball with the 25 yard line their own 25 yard lines and Fitzpatrick to Hollins uh 
while his face mask was being ripped down. It was like David Tyree, but in reverse. It was insane. How he completed that pass and how the Raiders could not play defense on that. I mean, that ball was just floating up there, and that was key. And then it was just, and then, but with the 50-yard face mask penalty, like when he caught it, I'm thinking, oh man, they're still playing the 50. But then you add the 15-yard penalty, and that just set up the Dolphins for the field goal to win the game. It's funny you brought up Jason Sanders earlier, and you're absolutely right. I think the kickers have never been, maybe not never, but in the last 15, 20 years, our kickers are bad right now across the league. Jason Sanders, 91.9% on the season. His only misses are from 40 to 49 and 50 plus. This is what you need these days in all these close games. And Jason Sanders has really stepped up for the Dolphins. The Dolphins became the second team in the past 20 years to take over that deep in their territory, 25 and whatever, closer to the goal line, win the final 30 seconds and win the game. Unbelievable. The one was Aaron Rodgers. When Aaron Rodgers threw that pass, they did the same thing where he had one pass and then he threw the touchdown uh, play Aaron Rodgers did to Richard Rodgers on that play. that The uh, The massive Hail Mary. Yeah, the the Hail Mm -hmm. Mary pass. But, I mean, it was like one of those things. You know, I— I said before, I said, watch Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden did much nothing in this game. Two yeah. catches, eight yards. I was expecting him to do more. Um, but uh, but Vegas had three. You know, the defense, you know, they moved the ball in Miami. In the end, it was 314 yards passing, 100 yards rushing. Um, but uh, But I just thought that. The defense came out when they had to. Uh, Baker had uh, had seven tackles. Van Ginkle, uh, th- those guys up on the defensive line are doing just doing everything up there. So I thought that was tremendous. But I think Brian Flores is getting a lot of credit for the fact that he said, well, he can work with two and Fitzpatrick. But I think a lot of credit has to go to these quarterbacks themselves. I don't think mm-hmm. most quarterbacks in the league would want, if you're Fitzpatrick, you're like, no, I mean, they're going to start or not. And two is going to be pulled. Like, I think they just get along. I heard uh, Carl Vanoy interviewed one time and they're like, the team likes both of them. They're both great guys. So I think Flores gets credit. And like, why Flores is a genius. I don't think he could do this. I don't care if you're a genius. I don't think if you have these two, he just has, the, he was very lucky to have the two perfect individuals to handle this situation. So my take on you're absolutely right and my take on Flores is he gets all the credit for the defense going from the 31st defense to a top three defense I give him all the credit in the world for that but you're right without Fitzpatrick being the guy he is and Tua being the stand-up kid he is I don't know if this works but this team makes it work and I guess he does deserve and then he comes right out afterwards and Tua is the starter for next week and I don't know I mean Fitzpatrick was a quarterback they're going to Buffalo it's bad weather but Fitzpatrick's been the quarterback in Buffalo as a starting quarterback that's where he made all his money and I would start I would start him but I, I I just think it's he's like no he feels that Fitzpatrick is like the reliever that can bring it in the as a reliever rather than a starter and have Tua be the starter. I mean I guess we're getting that, but I just think it's it's a risk. But everyone's giving Flores that everything he's doing is working. But we'll see if this works. So. He, it has been working every everything he does, and of course uh, you know I'm a big bandwagon Dolphins fan this year, pulling for them in the AFC. Um, the AFC match of the weekend had to be your Steelers taking on the Indianapolis Colts, and I got I got to tell you, Ira, after watching you guys game last week. I'm just looking at this like, man, I don't trust this Steelers team at all. And I thought with Indy's, you know, vaunted defense, I thought this was going to be a, 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 a pretty embarrassing game for Pittsburgh. And it wasn't. You guys look good. It was embarrassing for the first half. Yeah, well, you didn't, you didn't look great, <laughs> but, but you got the win. But the, the Steelers had lost three in a row going into the game. Colts had won three in a row. Steelers looked had, had looked awful. And But this is six, time that, six times that Phillip Rivers, because he played for the San Diego Chargers at the time, and Bennett played. They've been in the league for 16 years. And that 2004 draft, uh, Eli Manning was number one. Rivers was number four, actually. 
Giants drafted Philip Rivers. They switched with the yeah. Chargers. People forget that he was actually drafted by the Giants. And Ben was number 11, 11 in that draft. Um, interesting thing about that draft is number three was Larry Fitzgerald. So it's great. That was a great, you know, all these Hall of Famers that are in there. Uh, two Miami players were drafted. Sean Taylor, who unfortunately passed away, uh, was number five. And Kellen Winslow Jr., who's had his legal issues, um, he was drafted number six. But uh, when you add up the total yards, Breeze, Brady, the top yardage in the history of the NFL, Breeze, Brady, Peyton Manning, Favre, and then Rivers and Ben. So you can't really get the matchup as big as the, this is going. And do, you, the, do you happen to remember who the Chargers took with the draft pick they got from the Giants, the other draft pick? I want to say Ladainian Tomlinson. Am I right? Or Sean Merriman. Oh, my God. So it ended a, up, they, they turned it into two good players. That's, that's, that's great. <laughs> and the other thing about this game that was interesting, in December 27, 1977, I think I think you're right, that was the, that's when they debuted the terrible towel. So when everybody sings about these terrible towels, it was when the Steelers with Myron Cope debuted that towel. I thought so, that would have been a lot older than that. I thought it was older, too, but it was 77 when they huh. did it. But... Uh, you know, it was like the Steelers lead the uh, NFL in three and outs. You know how much I hate three and outs. And it's no surprise. <laughs> well, you can't run the ball. Yeah, they cannot <laughs> run. Um, this was the, they, when they didn't score in the first quarter. It was a six straight games. The Steelers offense has not scored in the first quarter. And the first half was just unbelievable. 93 total yards. Um, they are just, they went, the first play, they went three, three and, and zero yards, three and four yards, three and zero yards, seven and 28 yards. I, they would have been totally out of this game. But Philip Rivers, TJ Watt made this great play on Philip Rivers where he forced him to fumble the ball. Uh, Mike Hilton picked it up, and the Steelers ran three plays and scored because they got the ball like on the five yard line. <laughs> Other than that, the score is like 20, the score mm-hmm. could be like 28 nothing, and we're out of the game. But the fact that it was a 21 7 in halftime was just, was just remarkable. It, it was, and TJ Watt was everywhere, and he just, he's going to get a lot of all pro looks. <laughs> all pro and defensive player of the year. And then, um, and then like in the second half, the, the Colts were driving down. And there was right down uh, Jonathan Taylor, the running back. Just great game. I mean, he seemed the first half was unstoppable running. Second half, beginning was doing great. But Watt, TJ Watt again. So this was a point where it was a, what twenty one seven. They could have gone up twenty eight seven. He had this key sack and made it them kick a field goal instead of you know twenty instead of kicking the um, instead of scoring a touchdown. Made it twenty four seven. I think if it was twenty eight seven. It would have been like again. It just seemed like it was like the Steelers were just hanging on. Like every play mattered. Otherwise, they got blown out of the game. But then finally, the Steelers. Woke up. I mean, instead of throwing these five yard and ten yard passes, Claybull starts making great, uh, great plays, and uh, and uh, it was like you know it was one of those things that where they were moving the ball, and it, you know the f- defense finally played well. I mean, uh, Tuit Hayward, um, they, they're using these linebackers like Vince Williams came back from COVID, Alex Highsmith who was the, one of their draft picks from Charlotte, and Avery Williamson who was played on the Jets last like he was on their practice at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. get fourteen tackles in the game. Yeah. I mean, everyone talks about what's the matter with the Steelers because they're playing with guys that weren't even on the team. <laughs> And then finally, Ben threw to uh, DeAndre Johnson. You were happy about that? No, so, I was. <laughs> huge play. Well, one play, 24-14, Colts go three and out. Steelers then, he threw, Ben threw to Eric Ebron, uh, touchdown, 24-21. Colts go three and out. Hayward had a huge sack. Um, Colts gave up, coming to this day, 14 sacks. They gave up five in one game. I mean, talk about the Steelers' just desperation mm-hmm. coming on. I mean, that was one of the key things. And starting in the fourth, um, they were starting using screens. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster had nine catches, 94 yards. I mean, finally he got involved. And they, yeah, his they, best game of the year. And they, and they threw it to a touchdown. So he has 20. It was their first lead in 10 quarters. So here's a team that was 11-0. Had it led in two and a half <laughs> games. Crazy. It's unbelievable. And then Rivers threw an interception to Hilton. Steelers punt. And then the Colts turned it over on downs with third and two. Uh, 
it was just one of those games where Ben ended up with 342 yards, three touchdowns. But again, what people are looking at is the Steelers had 20 yards rushing on 14 guys. They simply are a team that just cannot run the ball. Now, the one thing I like what the Steelers did, though, with James Conner, they said we can't run, but they started doing screen passes, more screen over like the five and ten. Instead of throwing, mm-hmm. having wide receivers do that. So they're using their backs that way. I thought that was a little dip. That was a little wrinkle that I saw where five, because Connor had not been catching any passes, caught like five passes. And that's what they needed him to, if he's not going to run the ball, at least catch some passes. It, they use Deontay Johnson in that way too. You know, it's just a lot of little screen passes, things like that to kind of get the short game going just a little bit. But they, they, they did enough, but it's going to be really hard to win playoff games if they can't get that, the running game backs moving. Yeah, but a lot of people, you know, going to this game, the Steelers were favorite when the week started. And by the end, they were, they were the three point underdog at home. <laughs> and like everyone was, everyone was against the Steelers. And it's like, wow. And then when they were getting killed, people were like betting. I heard like the in game betting was going where the Colts. And just to, it's like great. I mean, the Steelers were able to sort of just stop it at the last minute. Now we're going to talk about the Steelers playing Cleveland next week. The Steelers are set for the second or third seed. I think they rest their starters. I think they need what they had to do. I think you take this week off and rest it and then go for the playoffs because it doesn't matter. You're the second, you don't only, this year only one seed gets, the first seed gets the bye. They can't get the first seed. They can't get the, they're not going to be down to four. So it's either going to be second or third. What does it matter? I think you rest this team. They've been struggling. Um, they asked Tomlin, he goes, I'll think about it. To, we're going to think about it tomorrow. But even by him saying, I'm going to think about it in 2017, they rested their starters when they had a chance for the number one seed. They were number two and they could have got the number one if the Patriots had lost and they rested. So I, I expect next week they're going to rest the entire team against Cleveland. I, I can't see them not. Big Ben, 49 attempts again. How many times has he thrown 45 <laughs> times or more? He needs he needs a little bit of a break here because he's going to be throwing a lot going forward. I run sports, 95.9, True Oldies Channel. Mike Balsamo here. Ira, we, we blast Kansas City more on this show than anyone else in the media. And this was another example of it. Did, Atlanta comes in as a 30, uh, 31st ranked defense. They're terrible. And Kansas City's the number one offense. And they couldn't really do anything against a terrible Atlanta team. They do enough to win. They always do. But this is a game. This The line was, was seven points. This game should have been more than seven. And they should have hit the over with how uh, awful this team is. 17 to 14 is the final. Yeah, it was 7-7 seven, seven at halftime. I mean, I looked at the game. I was on red zone and everything. You're following. You're like, what is going on at 0-0? Zero, zero? I mean, with 11 minutes to go in the second quarter. Yeah, you think Mahomes got hurt or something. And then he throws it. it that, they, then they do they do crazy stuff. They they threw that in the first half. Like, why would you run this reverse one? Sammy Watkins <laughs> throws to Mahomes. Like, just run your offense. Yeah. Like, what were they doing? It's like it's not like Atlanta's defense was so great that they had to come up with something crazy. They just are goofing off. I mean, let's have Sammy Watkins throw the ball to Mahomes in the end zone and get an interception. Instead of just saying, how about Mahomes throw it to Kelsey, Hill, yeah. Hardman, <laughs> Clavian Bell. And then um, it was amazing. Atlanta drove down with four minutes to go and scores and made it 14-10. And, uh, and, and the Chiefs are down 14-10 and Mahomes threw an interception in the end zone. So I'm watching that game live and it goes, he throws interception, but it was, they, they ruled that he dropped it. There was a challenge. Mm-hmm. I could have gone either way. If they would have ruled his interception, then the game, they would have lost, but they were able to score the touchdown and the Falcons drove down and then everything you know they get the Chiefs are if you watch Chiefs week in and week out they get so many breaks yeah. so young young men Koo who's one of the best kickers you don't in the name for the, for the Falcons even though the team has only won four games he misses like this easy 39 yard field goal just an easy field goal and then and the Chiefs win 17-14 yeah. crazy no, it was it, I, I know that this t- team probably won't look like this but the AFC is stacked Ira and there's a handful of teams I would put to beat them right now if they had to play them um, let's go to Cleveland and New York and this is one 
I know Cleveland was down pre- pretty much their entire team. I mean, I don't think Baker Mayfield had a completion to his single receiver before this game going in. But you can't lose to the Jets, Ira. You can't allow 23 points to the Jets. And this one was just ugly. I, was Ed Stefanski was watered like the coach of the decade. I mean, oh, yeah, he was like coach of the year. Like coach of the year, Baker Mayfield. I mean, it's like the prisoner of the moment for everybody who sees all these things. And the Browns were down four wide receivers. And everyone on fantasy was like, oh, Nick Chubb, they're going to run the ball. I thought so. The Jets defense, they don't have Quinton Williams on defensive line. They don't have the best defensive defender. Jets, you know, this is going to be just a short game. It'll last two hours long, and the Browns are going to win. But they ended up throwing the ball, like, what, 53 times? Yeah. But it was ridiculous. Chubb only had 11 carries for 28 yards. I don't know what they were doing. I mean, the Chiefs, I mean, the Browns had no, I mean, they're throwing 53 times when they're through two practice wide receivers. I mean, wide receivers that weren't even on the team. This mm-hmm. did not make any sense. Chubb didn't, ca- I, I don't understand what their game plan was. I criticized Cleveland. I think this was a, you know, people are sort of giving Baker and they're giving Cleveland a pass. I don't give them a pass on this game. This was pathetic. No, I, I don't give them a pass at all. I read this was just re- Nick Chubb leads the league in yards per carry coming into this at almost six, five point nine seven. You're telling me you can't get three yards a carry against the Jets? So I don't know if I'm putting this all on him. The fact that maybe they thought that they were only going to run considering they had new wide receivers, but this is Cleveland should be looking at making a run at the, at the Super Bowl. And, and like, this team is not. And also when they get, it's like one of those things where you're in the match, like I guess in a boxing match, like when you get in the match, it was like 20, so they, they were down earlier, like, oh, they'll come back. So was, they got it to 2016. The Browns hit the ball with four minutes left. What do they do? They fumble their own 15-yard line. Yeah. So Baker fumbles, and then they they, get, they were lucky that the Jets kicked a field goal. They get the ball back with a chance to tie, and they fumble again on the fourth. It was fourth and one, whether they didn't get it. They couldn't even get a fourth and one, or they fumbled, or how you want to, to classify whatever happened. But it was just a mess, and I just... Again, I just bad, and, and this is the chance. You know, Cleveland, if they lose next week against they're the Steelers, out. they're out of the playoffs. So, like, wh- they're all talking, "Oh, this is so great! Cleveland's in the playoffs." Like, all these teams, I think, were counting their ki- their chickens before they hatched because Cleveland was set where Ed Stefanski, Baker Mayfield is the comeback player of the year besides Alex Smith. Ed Stefanski is the greatest uh, coach of all time. Uh, GM's doing a great job. Everything's great. They're going to the playoffs, and they they lose the Jets, and they have to play the Steelers next yes. week. And uh, if the Steelers don't rest people, I'm putting my money on the Steelers. <laughs> I think. In Pittsburgh. I think they're going to get lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think they probably will. But still, that's just you got to be very uh, disturbed today if you're a Browns fan, even more so than the last 20 years. Um, one of the few um, interleague matchups we had was the Giants in Baltimore. We weren't expecting the Giants to win this game, I don't think, Ira. But I don't know if I think Lamar's back. And the Giants defense has not been the issue with this team. He looks great. And if Lamar rolls into the playoffs like this, I'll take that team to beat to beat the Chiefs. Well, if Lamar's like, playing at this level. Yeah, I mean, after the Ra- you know, the Ravens, uh, you know, they've now beat the Cowboys, the Browns since the COVID game. Since the game with the Steelers where the Steelers won and the Ravens had no players yeah. whatsoever. They have won. They beat the Cowboys, <laughs> Browns, and Jaguars. I mean, the Steelers after that COVID game started losing every game. You know, it's like the Bra- Ravens were exact opposite. That yeah. sort of got everyone rested and they came back. Lamar had two touchdowns, 183 yards passing, but they got Edwards rushing, Jackson for 85 yards, Jackson 80, Dobbins 70. They rushed for 250 yards against the Giants whose run defense was very, very good. Mm-hmm. So clearly, but this is a game, you know, Baltimore was on the outside. The loss, Indianapolis's loss put them outside the picture. Baltimore was then able to jump in this picture. I mean, there's there all these teams battling for that for that final playoff spot. And now in a position, that was a huge win. I mean, could you imagine Baltimore's playing this well and not making the playoffs? I mean, they were looking at a position where they could be 11-5 and five and yeah. with all this talent not make the playoffs. Now I think they're playing Cincinnati next week. They're going to get in. But that this was, this was a, you know, 
they really they were like the Steelers, like you know, sort of when the season was about to spiral out of control, they had no margin of error and they were able to do it. They buckled down. They've won four in a row to get to ten and five, and they have the best points differential in the in the division. So that that says a lot. And yeah, facing Cincinnati, you assume that they're going to be moving on. I run sports, true all these channel. Mike Balsamo here as well. Cincinnati is the team we just talked about. They played Houston and. I don't know what's going on with Houston, but I know Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt are not happy about it. Well, I don't think J.J. Watt should be happy with Deshaun Watson. And I just I wanted to talk about this game because the game didn't matter. They're both four and ten teams. But J.J. Watt afterwards just blasted the team. So it was nice to see a player just totally blast the team when your team were supposed to be favorites of one division. Now they fired their coaches, fired their general managers, fired everybody. But the fact is that now this is three times in four games. The Texans had a chance to win. The Texans had had a chance to win the game, and Watson fumbles the ball. And I yeah. again, his stats look great. They go 324 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Deshaun Watson, MVP, this. Stop fumbling the ball. Like, no one is watching this. I watch these games. So I'm watching it. He's, you're not seeing any other besides just Jared Goff. Really, but who gets him elite? Daniel but Jones. But Daniel he's not, Jones, not usually not elite. Seeing, but, but not the elite. Ben does it. You do not yeah. see elite. Maybe one game out of whatever, you'll see a fumble. This is unbelievable. Deshaun Watson is sort of riding under the radar. People are like, oh, poor Deshaun Watson. The defense is bad. No, poor Deshaun Watson for not pulling out wins. He's got to win these games. He can't consider himself this elite quarterback. He's getting paid $35 million a year. He's supposedly, you know, MVP type of candidate. He cannot, again, against these bad teams, he's not making those plays at the end of the game. Bad. I think, again, I think this, I wanted to highlight this game because I think Deshaun Watson has got to improve this fumbling at the end of the games. It's just terrible. No, I'm with you completely on this. And he can make all the throws and he does put up the stats, but he doesn't win games when he needs to. And it's one thing to, to lose a game. It's another thing to fumble to lose the game. And he does that way, way too often. Hardest game of the weekend to pick, I think, was Denver and the Chargers just because I really have no idea what I'm getting out of these teams week to week. Well, I just wanted to mention this game because of Herbert had ended up with 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, set the rookie rookie record for touchdowns. Um, and you compared it to Drew Locke, the quarterback for Denver. I mean, he's thrown for 1,500 more yards. He has 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Locke, 14 touchdowns, 15. It's funny that Denver announced we're bringing back Vic Fangino, their coach. They're bringing yeah. their coach back. They're 5-10. and 10. Chargers are 6-9. and nine. Don't know what they're going to do with Anthony Lynn. But now this is Chargers win their third straight, three straight game-winning drives from Herbert. We've talked about this. Herbert, uh, you, you're been on that bandwagon. But, I mean, right now, I'd rather have Herbert than Deshaun. Look, Herbert has made some mistakes at the end of the game to begin the year. We saw where he made a few errors. Mm-hmm. But this is his first year. Not Deshaun Watson, who's on his $300 million yeah. contract, Deshaun Watson. Herbert is only on his rookie deal playing his first year. And he's, he looks fantastic. No, I, I'm with you. He, he looks well above his years. And if he gets the right coaching staff three years in, this kid's going to be just something nasty to worry about. Um, the guy who's kind of in that role right now is Josh Allen. And he makes leaps and bounds every year. And he's going to face New England tonight. And I think Bill's coming for them. I, I Buffalo already won the division. So there's not much that can happen here. Bill can't ruin their playoff hopes. But I think he wants to show that he's not just letting someone walk away with his division tonight. <laughs> well, Buffalo's favored by seven. I like the Pat- Patriots plus the points, too. I think that there's some sort of... But, but if you look at how well Buffalo has played, they beat the Jets, the Fims, the Rams, uh, Raiders, and then they lose to the Titans, the Chiefs. So they lost to the games. But since then, they beat the Jets, the Patriots, Seahawks. They lost the Cardinals in that crazy game where Marie threw the ball. Then they then they ran off Chargers 49 
49ers, Steelers, Broncos. And uh, it's just been this run that this is magical year. Buffalo at 11 and 3. Um, they're with Josh Allen, Sean McDermott. Their coach is brilliant. Their defense looks like you saw what they did with the Steelers. What I'm nervous about this game is that you saw what the Steelers did with the short passes against and Buffalo just stopped it. You can't you can't play conservative. You can't play like Cam Newton. Now they don't run. Ben doesn't run like Bay, but you can't throw these short passes. Buffalo is just going to kill them on that. So I'm nervous that the New England's offense is going to be just horrendous. Like I, I, I think cons- they are, and I just that's what that's what gets me now. And I also think that. I think that Miami was not able to exploit New England's on the secondary in terms of some, you know, Gilmore is a great, but the, I think Allen, I think there's a problem. I think I, I, I'm rooting for New England to win this game, and I think they're going to keep it from a spread perspective down to seven, but Buffalo could blow this out because just below, just because I just think that the New England's offense might not score a point. It's really cold for this game, and I, I'm thinking, I'm with you, I'll take the seven. I'm looking at like a 17-12, 17-15. It's just, like you said, it's a matter of can New England score, and can they keep Josh Allen from scoring on the first two possessions like he's been doing? Right, the Patriots last month beat, the, I mean, the, the, the Bills beat the Pats 24-21. Both teams rush for 200 yards. So this game's going to be, you don't have to wait up till like 1230 at night. This is a game. It's going to be over, I think, pretty early. But the Patriots are 22 and 11 against the spread as an underdog of more than three points. 22 11 under Belichick. And I'm under seven or more as an underdog. They're 10 and three. And it's only 13 times. It's just how many, how great it's been. Only 13 times they've been seven or more point underdogs and they won uh, 10 and three in that record. So it seems like the last, I don't know, five years or so, Ira, the NFC is the, the class. And the AFC has, they'll have the Chiefs have the Patriots, but they're really not that serious. This AFC is serious, and a very good team's going to get let out of the playoffs. Uh, what are we looking at right now? Well, Kansas City's one. Pittsburgh and Buffalo are going to be two and three. Um, as I said, we talked about this before. I think it doesn't it doesn't matter. One gets the bye, and one two one through four get the first home playoff games, and and that's what last year was like up until like last fifteen years to the uh, yeah, two buys. But then Tennessee right now is at ten and five, and they're in the fourth position. Uh, they they're playing at Houston. They're a four point favorite. They win the game. They win their division. They'll get the four. But and they they're in the play. They they but if they lose, they could be out of the playoffs. This is why there's five teams that are ten and five because if uh, if they, the Dolphins play at Buffalo, now they're going to be at their Bills are a five, three and a half point favorite. But again, Buffalo could rest their players, and but Miami needs to win this game. They're ten and five too. So and then we're going through the rule. It's Tennessee is four, the Miami's five. The Ravens are six. They're playing Cincinnati. So they're 10 and a half point, 13 and a half point favorites. You got to think Ravens, with, they're not going to lose this game against Cincinnati. And then seven, the Browns play Pittsburgh. They're three and a half point favorites in that game. So they're all at 10 and five. And the Colts are 10 and five, but the Colts are the one team that are out of the playoffs. So if one of those, if, if everybody wins, then the Colts are out. But if ever if they get one, people could tell me, oh, the Colts have no chance whatsoever. What? I'm talking about one, two, three, four teams. If one of those four teams lose, the Colts are in. And one so, of them probably will. Yeah, I mean, we, I've, we've seen playoffs where the Steelers needed like eight different things to happen. The Colts really need one, they need one thing to happen. They, two things. They need to win. They need to beat Jacksonville, which they should easily do. And then they need, they need either the Tennessee Dolphins or Ravens or Browns to win. And so it's, I'm excited. I mean, this is going to be a great final week of the season. Okay, Ira, let's, uh, we're about halfway through Iron Sports, just past 7.30. Let's go to the NFC. And the, the game everyone was sitting around watching this weekend was like one of those things where you look at your phone every 10 minutes or so, and you think that there's something wrong because the score just keeps blowing up and getting higher and higher. Alvin Kamara had the game of his life, and New Orleans rolled Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota, it was like one of those things where Breeze came back last week and hit the city. He wasn't even that sharp this week, but I, the thing about Alvin Kamara is that he is— 
you know, they signed with this huge contract. He doesn't really, he has his first game, he had rushed for over 100 yards. So he's one of the elite running backs in the league. But this game, they gave him 22 times for 156 yards and six touchdowns. And once it's six touchdowns, Ernie Nevers in 1929 had six touchdowns. So it's like it goes back to 1929 to see what you tie for a record. And he's been one of those backs that, that's just been, he's caught passes. I mean, he's, his first, he's been there four years in the league, 81 catches, 81, 81, and 83. He's three years of 81 catches and, and one year of 83. Um, and, and all these years he played, four years, he's only fumbled, he's had um, one, had, had three fumbles. You know, all of his, all crazy. amazing. This year is only, he he didn't lose a fumble the whole year. He had one fumble, but he, it was recovered. Um, this is the most points, 52 points the Vikings have given up since 1963. So it was like one of those games that New Orleans needed to win to stay in that, quote, race um, for the for the number one seed. But uh, but Kamara, just, I think it's nice because I've always been a big fan of Kamara. And it was like, now this is a chance for him to come out and say, wow, this guy is really, really good. Because they do not hand him the ball 20, 25 times a game. He is the best player since Peyton Manning to come out of the University of Tennessee. So I've got a soft spot for Kamara. I didn't know this, Ira, until I was touting him the other day. And my buddies who are Alabama fans, who you happen to be wearing, uh, you're all decked out in your Crimson Tide gear today. He was on the, the he was on the, the, the Tide, and he couldn't crack between Derrick Henry, TJ Yeldon, and Kenyon Drake, and he transferred to UT. I'd never known And then that. they didn't start him at Tennessee either. I mean, here's a guy who didn't – I mean, you're talking about here's a guy who's got – is getting paid $100 million to play football who couldn't even – we're not in high school. We're talking about in college who we're now considering is the top elite running back, the in, top the three league, back in the league. In the league. And he couldn't even play at Tennessee. I mean, it just, it just shows you the perseverance that Kamara had in terms of getting this and what he's able to do. Um, and I just think it was great that he had a game like that. He, th- he has 16 touchdowns on the year. Um, he has for his career 43 touchdowns. Touchdowns. He's only like 26 years old. He has 43 touchdowns. I mean, he's going to get over a high. This is a, we're looking at a Hall of Fame running back. So, Absolutely. So I think it was, it was just, it was one of those games where, wow, what a great game for New Orleans, but also, I mean, Minnesota was pathetic. So. I, I keep calling this Tennessee Titans team one of the Jekyll and Hydes of the league because I really just don't know what I'm getting week to week. They needed a serious overhaul on their play calling for the first three quarters of that game. Everything they did did not work, and everything Green Bay did was unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee had won four out of five going into the game, beating the Ravens, Colts, Jaguars, and Lions. You really thought that the Ravens, I, I like Ravens coming into this game. They were a three point underdog. But then Green Bay, it just it, it was snowing, it was going crazy. But Green Bay led 19 0. Um, and there was a point where that, that I thought that Tennessee, they blocked that field goal that Green Bay was trying a field goal. They could have scored a touchdown. I thought it was a bad call. They called him like offsides on the block, but then they ended up missing the field. It was all the whole mess of that at the end. Um, but you know, at halftime it was nineteen seven. But in the second half, t- Tennessee gets the ball and Tannehill goes and runs fifty five yards in. So now it's nineteen fourteen. You're like, wow, this is gonna be. But you look at the final score, forty to fourteen. How what happened? And it was just like. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and Tennessee just stopped doing anything and I really that from that third quarter like the middle of the third quarter the end of the game Tennessee just I don't know they just fell off They and their defense showed how poor remember the game against uh, Cleveland when they got blown out yeah. I mean that was like this their defense just felt can fall apart you know they played well and then it just just was horrendous and Rodgers just picked them apart it, it was bad snow for most of the game it looked like Aaron Rodgers was playing on some beach in Mexico, and it looked like they were playing in the worst snowstorm ever when they had the ball. It just, and I, for the first time ever, Ira, 
Derrick Henry didn't look happy to be running. He <laughs> looked upset when he kept getting mauled in down into the cold snow. And Derrick Henry looked human for a lot of that game. And it was it was impressive by yeah, Green Bay. Yeah, and now it sets up Green Bay to be the number one seed if they win next week against Chicago. Um, A.J. Dillon uh, ran 21 carries for 124 yards. And Aaron Jones had, I mean, they just, they were running. They did everything. And again, this is the problem you have with Tennessee is that last year their defense looked good this year. Their defense just somehow, same they just bla- it just goes down. And now they're in a situation where, you know, they, uh, you know, they have to hold on to, to, to make the playoffs. And, and it, just, it, was a, it was a weird type of game. You know, they have to beat Houston. Now, they should be able to beat Houston, but they don't. Then they're out of the playoffs. And here's a team people thought were going to go to the Super Bowl or at least c- compete with Kansas City. And they won four out of five. And that's what's so exciting about this final week. Because Tennessee, if they lose, they're out. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, Seattle and the Rams, big NFC West matchup in Seattle. They do what they have to do to win. And, and Jared, Jared Goff may actually be out for a little bit. May have uh, broken his thumb. Well, it's like one of those weird games where... Again, I had said two things. I love Tampa Bay and I hate the Rams. Yeah. And, and I just they keep proving you I right. keep proving <laughs> right. And the Rams have lost the you know, they lost the Fortnite, they beat the cards, they beat the Pats, and then they lost to the Jets. And you're thinking after that loss to the Jets, that's gonna wake them up. Everyone's like, Oh, they're gonna be woken up after that loss to the Jets. Well, they didn't get what they were not woken up. Um Seattle's won four out of five. And the big thing for Seattle is remember early in the year when their defense just couldn't stop anyone? Mm-hmm. Now their defense has gone, I think, five opponents in a row to twenty and under points, which is Tremendous. And uh, Goff was a disaster, as always. Interception, um, just a mess. And and Russell Wilson went down and scored. I mean, it was like 6-6 six, six at halftime. Do you know that only six games all year had no touchdown in the first half? So that just shows you yeah. what's so weird. And then, uh, but it's, I'll give you one example where I don't like about Jared Goff. So at the end of the first half, they were driving. And he knew he had to get to the first down marker in order to keep the drive alive. It was like a few seconds left of the punt. And he, he slid early. And he slid like two yards early. It wasn't even just like a little early. It was questionable. It's like you got to get that like you got to get that first down. Like that's important. And he just slides early on that. I thought that was that was just terrible. But then Wilson had that drive. He had a five, you know, had a nine play, 80 yard drive um, for a touchdown. And then, uh, oh, the one interesting thing at the end of the game was when the Rams were trying to, to score. Now they're down 20 to nine. They really had no chance. But Reynolds caught the ball and he placed the ball down, but he wasn't touched for the Rams. So then the Seattle picked the ball up and ran in for a touchdown. And they're like, they're like, oh no, he gave himself up. But I don't know about it. Like, I felt like you just, you can't just drop the ball down like that. Like that's, that was questionable. I didn't like the decision on the refs. I think they should, you should, like you can't just lie on the ground and let the ball there. I think that you should have to be touched or something. And then they gave himself up and that, that was a questionable thing. But it looks like Goff has a broken thumb. His backup is John Wolford from Wake Forest, who played in the American no <laughs> Association. The reader are like, well, where, who should be their backup? Well, they remember how we talk about how the Rams saved their money? They're, they have no, they're paying Wolford minimum. But Blake Bortles was their backup, but they didn't sign him this year. They have no backup quarterback. So Bortles would have been, but he's not even playing in the league this year. That's what's so weird about this whole situation. So uh, they really have no quarterback next next week to play. Let's go to uh, Tampa and Detroit. I don't even know why we have to talk about this game because Detroit just, I don't know if Tampa's that good, if Detroit's that bad, but your uh, your lock Super Bowl pick is just seems to be getting stronger week to week. Well, right? that's my lock pick and no one, no one, it's still, we talked about teams. So we're talking about Seattle, New Orleans, and Green Bay. Every one says which one who's going to get there who's got no one mentioned tampa i've listened to sports talk for like the since uh, for two days now no one's talking about tampa but they won 47 to 7 uh they were up 34 nothing in the first half i know detroit had no coaches the whole thing was a mess in terms of covid but uh brady was 348 yards four touchdowns only five incompletions evans godwin gronkowski antonio brown just tremendous they're the first team with 400 yards in the first half in a season <laughs> that's amazing in the 
season. Um, and it was just, it was like one of those things where um, I just think 30 to 12 on first downs, they had 600 yards total of the game to 186 for Detroit. I love Tampa Bay. I love this is coming on. Just don't, I mean, I cannot believe you're under, that you're just not <laughs> underrating Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady, tremendous. And, and with the defense and weapons, too. It's, and weapons, it's but, dangerous. They, but they'd rather, I mean, I guess people are sold on New Orleans, Seattle, and, and Green Bay. I, I, Tampa, to me, is better. So Bears in Jacksonville, you, you can say what you want about Mitch Trubisky, and he's not living up to, to where he was drafted, surely. But he's looked okay since since getting benched and coming back. He's doing enough to win games. Still throws dumb interceptions in the red zone. But other than that, he's not playing that bad. Well, the Bears were out of this. We're, why we're talking about this game, which we thought we never would talk about the Bears at Jacksonville in, at all. But the Bears were completely out of it. They had won five out of six. Then they lost five games in a row. They'll be yeah. the first team to ever make a playoffs with losing five in a row. Then they beat the Texans and Vikings. Now Jacksonville. Mitch Trubisky, who was given up to whatever, has played great the last few games. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. And now there's a question. They didn't sign him for next year, but they can't franchise him. So Mitch Trubisky might get paid like $35 million to play football next year because they were debating whether they have Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky. I mean, it was 13-10 Chicago at halftime, but then Jacksonville made sure that they would lose the game. There was no issue about, like, again, we talked about this. Jacksonville has played for this to get the number one pick well. The Jets, you cannot ask an NFL team. They don't care. They're not going to probably They're playing for the contracts. Team. They're playing for their contracts. They're playing for everything. They don't care about tanking. But as a, as a team, like, you don't put game, you don't start Gabriel Minshew. You start Mike Glennon. Make sure Glennon's worse than <laughs> Minshew. James Robinson's a little banged They're up. Their best player. They don't have him. Some key defensive players, you pull them out. So the, how you tank is you pull key players out of the team. You can't ask your team just to lose games, tell the coaches to lose. It's what players you play. Jacksonville played that well. Trevor Lawrence is going to come to Jacksonville and that is going to be the shot in the arm of that franchise. They have trouble drawing to those that game and Trevor Lawrence is going to be as popular as anything there because you know it's been popular at Clemson which is a couple hundred miles away uh, from Jacksonville. I think this is great. I, I I mean I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the, I mean Jacksonville's a good team. I think Jacksonville is one of the best one in 14 teams I've ever seen. Well, so skill position players, yeah. And you, when you look at the Jets roster and you look at Jacksonville's roster, if you're a young quarterback coming in, what team do you want to play for? It's clearly Jacksonville. He's going to get to be in a state with no income tax, living by the beach, like you said, a couple of hundred miles from his alma mater. Perfect for Trevor Lawrence. And also, Trevor seems to be more of a southern... Yeah, like he's more, a beach guy. More, more southern, more small town, like mm. that type of thing. I mean, I say small, more not the New York City, the yeah. whatever. I think he seems relaxed playing. I think this is going to... I think he's going to enjoy, you know, with the long blonde hair and everything. I think, he, I think this fits better than to go to New York and have the media. I mean, there's what, there's like one reporter that covers the team in Jacksonville, whereas in New York there's 20,000 reporters. (laughs) we got about just 15 minutes left here on Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. So it was a little weird yesterday, Ira, and this was something that obviously this game was on Amazon Prime. First time ever Amazon or any streaming service that I'm aware of has exclusivity on uh, an NFL game. But I hear our boy, Andrew Catalan, calling an all-NFC game, and he never does that. And it just Kind of caught me off guard, but uh, regardless, it was a, a an interesting game, and I didn't the, the 49ers, what you say about them, they never say die. And Kyle Shanahan's always trying to put together a, a win, and I'll give them credit in what's been just a, kind of a lost season for them. Well, Andrew's been on our show a couple times. Hopefully get him on one more time, but he, is he broadcast normally CBS, so it was pretty neat to hear him. And I was, I was giving myself a lot of pat on the back for figuring out how to put my Amazon Prime on the TV, which oh, is very nice. I got inside <laughs> the computer. But, um, boy, Kyler Murray and the and the Card- Arizona Cardinals, who are going to be MVP, everything, they have just fallen. This has been a, a, just a terrible, like, 
in a situation where after they beat the Bills, they seemed they were riding high. And it's been they have gone the other way <laughs> since that game. I mean, they lost to C.J. Beathard uh, from the 49ers. It just the 49ers seem to pull out these wins. Uh, they're six and nine with no players whatsoever. Um, and it was just one of those things where Murray had uh, Murray threw a, a bad interception. And then one minute left, he threw uh, had four straight incompletions. Um, it was just a weird type of game where Murray just could not make the plays when he needed to make it. No, absolutely. Well coached game on San Francisco's end. Um, the, the story out of Carolina and Washington today, not for nothing, of course, Ron Rivera really wanted to win against his old team. And they, the Redskins just couldn't do it for him. But the story is, has there ever been a, a quicker fall from grace than, than Haskins, who got stripped of a captaincy, fined, and cut within the, a period of three days? Just crazy. Yeah, I mean, Haskins, it, it was, uh, th- this was just a terrible uh, turn of events for what happened. Uh, he is just not shown to be the leader outside, you know, in the locker room. And his performance was very, very poor in this game. He was bad. And, and, and they pulled him. It was there down 23 in a must-win game. Uh, they took the cap, you know, they, took the 20, it was, they were down 23. They pulled him from the game. And they really, that J.D. McKissick, as their, as their uh, uh, no, they threw, I mean, Henneke, Taylor Henneke from Old Dominion, the practice squad player, had to come in. Now, the problem is they want, a, they want Alex Smith to be the quarterback. But Alex Smith pulled his uh, calf muscle, and you're like, oh, that's not so bad. But when he had his 17 operations of his knee, they actually took part of his calf to put it on his knee. So there, it's risk whether you can even put Alex Smith in the game. And uh, But it's very rare that when you're really down with no quarterbacks that you actually cut a quarterback who's uh, now owed $4 million for next year anyway yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah, your number one overall pick from two years ago. That's just not, uh, not typical. Well, I bet Philly wishes they'd done that before they signed Wentz. Speaking of Philly... I don't know if you realize this, but Dallas has sneakily won three games in a row, and Mike McCarthy seems to have turned that ship a little bit when it looked like he might have been done after one year. This is like one of those things where they were down in the game uh, 14-3, and you're like, what is this to see? And the Cowboys really turned it on. I mean, I was, I was, it was one of those things where the Cowboys, again, back the wall, almost like Steeler-wise, were able to get Dalton with 377 yards and the passes to Gallup. I mean, they looked like they were like, Elliot's running the ball, like everything that you wanted back in the, I mean, and, and, the, and the Eagles just stopped playing. I mean, Hurts started making mistakes. They were able to stop him from running, make him throw him interceptions. It was like one of those weird games where Dallas ended up winning by 20 points, 37-17s, but just turning it so let's talk. We, we talked about how the AFC really top to bottom. The playoff teams are all contenders. The NFC, maybe half of the teams that make the playoffs just don't have what it takes to win a Super Bowl, let alone even one playoff game. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, Green Bay um, is, the, is the first seed. Number two would be New Orleans. And number three is Seattle. Now, the point is that Oh, this all could change this week. If it's Green Bay loses Chicago, New Orleans loses Carolina, or Seattle loses San Francisco. But it's one, two, three in that order as long as Green Bay wins, they have it. And then the fourth seed is either going to be Washington will play um, uh, Philadelphia. Washington wins that game. That's at night. Yep. So the Giants play Dallas early in the game. The winner of that game, if Washington wins, they're in. If they lose, the winner of the Dallas Giants game gets in. Can you imagine the Giants are going to get in with six wins? That should be amazing. <laughs> Someone is. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and then the Bucks are on the fifth seed. And then six, seven, eight, the Rams play Arizona. The Bears play Green Bay and Cards play the Rams. So if uh, it, it's going to be weird between the Rams and Cardinals game because if, if the Cards actually uh, lose that, if they win that game, they can knock the Rams out if the Bears also win. Uh, just about 10 minutes left to go here. Ira on sports. Let's go over to college football now. And let's talk about how th- these these games are going to shake up because we do have our, our final four teams. And I'm not sure it's going to be all that close in, in either of these games. <laughs> Well, I think in one of the I think what I think is that in the Alabama Notre Dame game, I could see 
I could see a way, a path to victory for Notre Dame, and it's a very small path, but it would be, have to be, I think, if Alabama commits a lot of turnovers. Um, the, the debate between Texas A&M and Notre Dame, I was thinking about it this week because Notre Dame got in over Texas A&M. A&M had lost to Alabama. Notre Dame had lost to Clemson. Both lost to big teams. A&M law beat Florida. Notre Dame beat Clemson. I think Notre Dame's win over Clemson is a little bit better than A&M wins over yeah. Florida. And A&M beat then unranked. Their best next best win was unranked Auburn, 6-4, and four, whereas Notre Dame beat Carolina, who's ranked number 13. So I really I think after people thought about it, I think that they felt that you know Notre Dame deserved they the right. They, the, they got the right, the right one. Now Notre Dame in these big games in 2013 in the BCS, they uh, they in the Orange Bowl they lost 42 to 14 and uh, to Alabama, and then in 2018 in the Cotton Bowl they lost 30 to three to Clemson. So they've been but since 1998, Notre Dame in these BCS or New Year's Day games or anything like the playoffs, they've been outscored by 144 points. They're 0 and 6. And uh, they just lost to Clemson 34 10 in the largest loss in the semifinal area for a team that made it. Now they have Kyron Williams, who ran for 1,000 yards. They have Ian Book, you know, 2,600 yards, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. And they have. A safety in Kyle, Kyle Hamilton will be a first round draft pick and linebacker Jeremy Owes Carmaro, who was a Buckus Award winner. And they and they have a good wide receiver, so they do have talent, but you know, we know what Alabama has. I mean, they have just loaded they have six first team All Americans on one team. They have two off now one of their offensive linemen is gonna be out. But in terms of Leatherhead, but they have Devontae Smith, Nigel Harris, Mac Jones. They're the first team ever to have six players on it. I mean, which is amazing. And Patrick Sertain on defense. And uh, Notre Dame's strength is their defense, but Clemson torched it. So the point is that Clemson that Notre Dame is Notre Dame is a strong run defense, but they're very bad on the pass defense. You saw what um, Syracuse did it to them, Notre Dame's defense, and what Clemson did. If they Syracuse and Clemson can do that to Notre Dame's defense, think what Alabama can yeah. and just pass the ball. Um, Alabama. The the one thing is Alabama's defense is bad in terms of their run defense is strong. Their pass defense is weak. They gave up points to Mississippi. They gave points up points up to Florida. But I don't think Notre Dame can sort of take advantage of that. Notre Dame's pass offense has been intermittent. To say the best and yeah. the inconsistent. So it's like to me, uh, Bama's favorite by 20. As long as they don't commit stupid turnovers, pick sixes, um, I think his team is, I, I don't, I, look, I think they're easily going to win the game. Um, so let's go to the other one. And this one's obviously going to be closer. Vegas thinks it's about two touchdowns closer. Clemson and Ohio State. Yeah, only seven point favorite um, Clemson over Ohio State. You know, it's surprising. They've only played four times. In 1978 Gator Bowl, Clemson won, and that's where Woody Hayes, the most famous Ohio State coach, actually hit a Clemson player after the game, and then he had to <laughs> retire. And that was the final thing. But then they played in 2013 in the, in the Orange Bowl, and Clemson won 40-35. The 2016 Fiesta Bowl, Clemson killed them 31 nothing. wasn't even close. And then last year, that was the shootout between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, up and down, 29-23. And, or oh, they, that Ohio State won, I mean Clemson won, and Ohio State had chance to win the game at the end of the game, but Olave to Fields. Fields tried to pass the ball to Olave. Olave stopped running. It would have been a touchdown, but then the ball was intercepted. It was a mess. Um, and that was that was like, what a great game. So they're going to replay that game. Um, I think that this is again, this is a weird type of game. Ohio State's pass offense versus Clemson defense. Clemson is uh, is 26th in passing defense. Um, but I think Ohio State can't take advantage of that because I just think that they haven't passed ball well the last few games. The strength of Ohio State is the rushing, and they're, you know, Trey Sermon just killed Northwestern, but Clemson's rushing defense is one of the best in the country, too. So where, where, where Ohio State's strong, Clemson is also strong. But on the uh, uh, Clemson offensive side, they're in the top 10 on passing offense. Trevor Lawrence, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and uh, you saw what happened to Ohio State against Indiana. They just got torched on, uh, on, on pass defense. They're not even the top 100. So it's like one of those games where Clemson just can throw the ball, throw the ball all day long. If Ohio State can't move the ball running or whatever, this game 
game could get out of hand. But I, I like Clemson to cover on seven and a half. I, I think the Alabama game, I think 20 is just so hard. I, I would say Alabama and Clemson both to cover, but I think I'd be more concerned about the Alabama score because it's just 20. And a big game like this, you got to start resting your starters. That You don't want to blow a team out. You just want to just get to the next game. So let's talk about what we've seen already in college. And Ira, a year ago, I don't think Zach Wilson was on anyone's radar, NFL-wise. And now there's talks of him going in ahead of Justin Fields. He got to display it here in Boca. You unfortunately couldn't make it to this one. I wish you could have been there because I thought this was going to be a great matchup I between it BYU on, and UCF, and BYU crushed them. I watched it on TV. I wish I was there. Zach Wilson, 26 for 34, 425, three touchdowns. I mean, he's someone who just has emerged this year as a superstar quarterback, and I think I mean, he's tall, he's strong, he looks like Trevor Lawrence, and I think that some people, the Jets might be starting to look at this and you know with the number two, and they might say after this, they're like, wow, he could be our number two pick. So I'm a, I wanted to see him live, but it would be interesting to see what happens with Wilson. BYU, unfortunately, had a great team this year. They, they had, you know, trying to find with COVID, not being in a conference. If the situation worked out better, they, you know, they might have played, got a chance to play in the playoffs. They had a schedule lined up with a lot of Power 5 teams that everybody canceled on them. So uh, let's talk about this one. Everyone's watching NFL action all weekend, and you were dialed into this Liberty and Coastal Carolina game. Well, Liberty was independent. Coastal Carolina was uh, from the Sun Belt. They were the last undefeated uh, team besides Cincinnati. So they were going in the game 11 to nothing. They were supposed to play earlier, but the game was canceled because of COVID. And what's exciting was that Malik Willis of Liberty is just a do-everything quarterback. And Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina, the same thing. They rushed for 300 yards, passed for 150. And it was like one of those games were up and back down the whole time. But in this game, exactly what happened, in as we talked about, in the Dolphins game. And we talked about when the Penn State game with Indiana. and what, That Liberty was trying to hold for a last-second kick. The score was tied. And they're trying to hold just to kick the ball. And the running back Jordan Mack, Jordan Mack, he Josh Mack, he he fought, he ran, kneeled down just like Jacobs did. The second time he tried to do that, some reason his offensive lineman tried to push him in. As he pushed him in, he fumbled the ball. <laughs> so then they couldn't cook the field goal. Luckily for Liberty, they went into overtime, and Liberty was able to win in overtime on a field goal. But it was like the same situation because the same thing with the it was Saturday night, the Finns game and the Raiders game, the same thing was totally happening. So what uh, what are we looking forward to this week? Well, I think on Tuesday night, Oklahoma State's versus Miami, and we got to understand with these bowl games, a lot of people are sitting out. So I have no idea who's playing for Miami and who's really playing for Oklahoma State. Um, and then on Wednesday, Florida's at Oklahoma. Now, Florida's made some comments that, you know, I don't know why we're playing this game. Oklahoma couldn't play in the SEC. I don't know why you'd be getting bulletin <laughs> board material on that. And then on the first, there's the fourth, you know, you're talking about the first being this great day of, of football. The, Georgia plays Cincinnati and Auburn plays Northwestern, but then, of course, Notre Dame, Bama, and Ohio State, Clemson. And then on the second, a game I'll probably go to on Saturday night is Texas A&M and UNC at the uh, at the Orange Bowl. So, But the big games are on the first, uh, Notre Dame. I mean, that's why this is such a great weekend. You have um, college football on Friday, college football on Saturday, pro football on Sunday. Just the perfect Friday, Saturday, Sunday of games. Um, let's talk about college basketball for a second because you had come out on the show and said, I, I can't see Gonzaga losing a single game. Well, one of the bigger challenges they were going to get this year was against Virginia, and they showed why you might be right, Ira. Gonzaga has beat Iowa, Kansas, Auburn, West Virginia, and all top 20 teams, 15 teams, it seems. And they played UVA, who was ranked 19th at the time, but UVA is actually the, quote, defending national champion because nobody won the national championship last year. And typically, UVA in any game holds their opponents to like 65 and under. No, Gonzaga scored 98 points. Yeah. Gonzaga, Drew Timmy, their center at 29 points. Corey Kispert, their guard, 11 for 15, 9 for 13 from 3, 32 points. Jalen Suggs, 
their superstar could be one of the top two or three picks in the NBA draft, only scored eight points because he didn't have to score any more points. And they have Joel Ajay had eight points because he didn't have to score any more points. They have this guy, Andrew Nemhard from Florida, who was a starter of Florida for two years, uh, SEC freshman of the year. And he's he just comes in and helps out. Like, they're the one team where they say, barring injury, they're going to win the title. They could have an injury. To, like, a lot of their, <laughs> one or two of their players, they have never seen a team so loaded. They play so unselfishly. They play hard on defense. They make their shots on offense. They're just... <laughs> They're wonderful to watch. They are not. They're as did last week, but this was a game I was interested to see with a tough team like Virginia that is known as defensive to score ninety eight points, and they could have scored. They took their starters out with four minutes ago. This could have been one hundred and ten. Like Virginia does not give up games like that. I mean, their games when they lose are like 55, 60 points. So that was crazy. And the other college game I want to talk about was Kentucky lost to Louisville. Kentucky now is one and six, which is their worst record. Like. For in the hundred years or so, I mean, they've lost to Richmond, Louisville, UNC, Notre Dame, Kansas, Georgia Tech, and John Calipari spent all this time complaining. He goes, "It's my fault. I gave myself a tough schedule. This and this." Well, you have the number one recruiting class. You go, you're Kentucky. Don't complain about your schedule. I mean, really, for Kentucky. I, I, I just don't understand this. My schedule was so hard. You're, you're Kentucky. You're not Robert Morris like Mike <laughs> play. Like, first of all, this just shows you what him by complaining about their schedule because a lot of his quote buy games were the teams like like Robert Morris that he should kill that they they, they didn't play. Well, it just shows that maybe you're not, you know, you got all these wins. Don't talk about these college basketball wins. I have 800 wins, I have 900 wins. Like a guy like Fran Dunphy who had 600 wins, those were, in many of those games, he was not the favorite in these games. He wasn't 30 or 40 point favorites. So the fact that Calipari was complaining about the schedule when he was the one who picked the schedule, but also you have the number one critical class. You guys are going to go to the NBA. It's, it's, it's stop, it, it comes across as so, just a cry It's pathetic. It's, it, it is pathetic. <laughs> uh, let's move to the NBA. And I, I know you're watching a ton this weekend. But I'm sure the highlight of your weekend, Ira, was my New York Knicks beating <laughs> beating uh, the defending uh, MVP and Giannis in Milwaukee by 20 points. It was awesome. I, I just think these first games, I mean, I think the NBA tried to get Christmas like, oh, what's going to be exciting? And not one, the Heat game was 13 points, and that was the closest. Not one game, they had five games, was within 10 points. There wasn't one close game. I mean, they were blowouts. The Bucks beat the Warriors by 40. Nets beat Boston by 28. The Lakers beat the Mavericks by 23. You saw yesterday, I mean, it was 77 to 27. The Mavericks were beating the Clippers by 50 points in the first half. I mean, these teams are in... Uh, preseason form. You've already seen that uh, the Brooklyn, they're starting, they're, they're resting Duran and Irving for the game tonight. Um, this is a problem that the NBA has. Um, again, these, they started the season early, didn't get the players, but now the players sitting out games. But I did like, from the Heat perspective, Duncan Robinson with seven threes. Precious Achua, the rookie who came in, played great. I like for the time he was in the game. You see where Avery Bradley adds a lot defensively. Andre Gadala, now they're going to have the whole year. Uh, Tyler Hero starting. Gordon Drogic off the bench, sort of like the Ryan Fitzpatrick Dua situation, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I thought the Heat looked, you know, they lost to Orlando first game, but I, I did like that win over the Pelicans. I thought that was a good win for them. I mean, the NBA season goes a while, uh, but uh, and you're going to see a lot. of. T- I don't, I don't, I'm not too excited about anything that happens right now. But from the Heat perspective, I did like the, the signs that the Precious looks like he was a great draft pick. Well, and also the Heat aren't these, this team that takes games off in the regular season. No. A lot of the good teams or better teams, they lose by 20 points to the Knicks sometimes. The Heat are not typically that team. They're going to show up every night or Pat Riley is going to make sure you're not on the court, him and Spo. Um, so that, that was a pretty, uh, p- pretty interesting performance. And we look forward to uh, being Heat fans down here with the direction that team is trending. Just about a minute or so left. Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. So Ira, maybe... Someone should tell Tampa Bay that it's it's not a Florida rule to trade all your guys away, especially when you didn't win the World Series. They're following in the Marlins' footsteps, dismantling a World Series team 
not getting much back for it, and Blake Snell must be thrilled to be going out to San Diego. Well, he's going to San Diego for a team that's going forward. I mean, not, not only did they trade for Blake Snell for two minor leaguers, but they also signed a three-and-star Kim. Um, this is on top of two years ago getting Hosmer, uh, last year of getting Bachado. I mean, and Snell was he only makes he makes eleven million this year, thirteen million the next, and sixteen million three years from now. And of course, he was the Cy Young winner two years ago, twenty-one and five, one point eight nine ERA. Um, and you know, so in, in the in the playoffs this year, he was four and two. Is pulled in the World Series, <laughs> as your comment that they were trying to save him for a trade later. But it was like, I feel like Tampa just, they keep, I mean, it's amazing. But I, I'm the only one who looks at this from the Yankee perspective. Again, when the Yankees' be- biggest rival is giving away all their players, like that's why there is no excuse for the, if you're, if you're, if the New York Yankees cannot kick the World Series this year, and they, I just think this is a disaster. They have no, the National League is as stacked as any league in any sport I've ever seen, more than even the Western Conference used to be in basketball when LeBron was in the East. I there the Yankees have no competition in, in in the American League. The National League just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And uh, you know, we even saw like the trade where Josh Bell was traded from the Pirates to the Nats. In you know, again, the only team that's horrendous in the American in the National League is the Pirates. They're yeah. terrible. <laughs> but these other teams are getting good. And, and it's hard for the Marlins because their division, you know, they have all these good teams that are there. I mean, the Braves and the Padres have really improved a lot this year. No, absolutely you're right. And that's something <laughs> They'll, the, the Rays will still win 95 games next year. I don't know how they do it, but they're still going to be competitive with the Yankees. It just doesn't matter. Year in and year out, they, these guys get the most out of everyone. It's, it's incredible, but I guess that's why they feel like they can afford to let rid of... I, Charlie Morton's 38. I kind of get that, but he was excellent for you guys. And Blake Snell is is the number one on pretty much every team in baseball. And you, he had a very friendly contract, and you let him go for nothing. I don't get it, I. No, it's just, <laughs> it's just shocking. And in baseball, what they're talking about, they're not sure exactly when it's going to start because their goal is to, to start it with his fans. So that that's the, the point, whereas we haven't really got an opening date of the season yet. So, Ira, what are you doing this week? Um, I think Saturday night I, I'm going to go see the uh, Orange Bowl. I think the Texas A&M-North Carolina game, I like going to those. I, lo- I love going down to that game to see. That, you know, It's not going to be the festivities that they ha- usually have, but at least to go to that game and then hopefully get to the national championship game in 10 days. We are out of time. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Ira on Sports.